Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for now in our heart and our spirit, we will transition into the word of God, honoring you and honoring what you have prepared for us through your servant. Lord, I pray that in my own heart, in my my own emotions, Lord, that I have made a decision, Lord, to move forward, even in the emotional time of releasing a sister and a brother that I love. In Jesus' name, let that word be so powerful today that it transforms every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Speaking of transformational, we've been talking about how to reach new levels in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about many different areas and you see in front of you and we are still talking about how to have fun. Did you know having fun is spiritual? Did you know that being spiritual is fun? There are a lot of people that walk around like they've been sucking on lemons thinking that's spiritual. But being spiritual is really a lot of fun. In Romans chapter 14, verse 22, the last time together, uh, we began to state some things, but in Romans 14, it says, happy are those who don't feel guilty for doing something that is right, having fun. As we continue to talk about fun, I, I want you to recognize you cannot have fun unless you're happy. You can't really have fun in church or anywhere you're at unless you're happy. And you cannot be happy if you condemn yourself. There's an enemy out there that is always wanting to condemn you. Even if you messed up, God does not condemn you, he convicts you. Because he knows if conviction comes, you will repent and you'll move to a new direction and you will walk in the blessing of fun. You will have a breakthrough in fun. And there are a lot of people that have lived a past life before being born again. And because of that past life, they still walk around with guilt. They still walk around with difficulty of, of really, can I really attain this? Can I really do this? What, what Pastor Ryan was talking about this morning. Because you know, don't know what I was before. Well, let me tell you, God has absolutely forgiven you, and now you are living a new life. Also, remember, having fun, our focus last time was together that we would walk in the joy of the Lord. Of the Lord. Having a spirit-filled will so you can live your life according to God's purpose and will. And there's some things that we learned that we were going to have to decide to do, a decision that we were going to have to make in order to have a spirit-filled will. In other words, life doesn't choose what we will to do. We make a pre-decision pre to respond to situations in our life based upon the truth of God's will in our life. Let's read again from last time, Matthew 27, verse 11. says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, 
it is as you say, not giving an opinion. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Remember what I said to you is that from the time that he made a pre-decision, preconceived decision, he never responded to humanity or the world on the why. He just lived out that decision. Let's read on, verse 13. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Jesus didn't beg for his life like everybody else did. Jesus didn't cry out, justice, I need justice. I'm unfairly treated. Jesus stood before him by a sheer act of his will and refrained from making a comment. Now, how he did that wasn't because he wasn't emotional. Wasn't because he didn't feel betrayed. But what he did is made a decision on God's will for his life and not reacting to the emotions, but responding in life by this preconceived decision that he made with God, knowing the will of God. So the accusations... The, the statement of, don't you know I could make you die or live? He didn't respond to that because he knew all his responses and all his decisions now were based on what God the Father said for him to do. Now, you need to understand that's a secret of a breakthrough in your emotions. You, you know... It doesn't feel good when things accuse you wrongly, when people accuse you wrongly. It doesn't feel good when you feel condemned by your past. But how you respond to the will of God is the secret of bringing a breakthrough in emotions, or may I say it, healing in your emotions. Inner healing, where on the inside that you may be not feel good about something, but you respond to it because you know God's will, you know the truth, and then the truth will set you free that in the midst of chaos and all kinds of trouble, you will still have fun because you walk in the joy of the Lord. Church family, right there, I could charge you $150 an hour with that counsel because it works. It's the power of a pre-made decision. Remember that the rest of your life. There is a power in your soul that if you make a pre-made decision based on the truth, nothing will sway you in any other way. In that pre-made decision, you are now walking in it in spite of traumatic events, emotional hurt, and tribulation and loss. Our character, listen closely to this. My character, your character, is the sum total of our pre-made decisions or lack thereof. 
whether we've made pre-made decisions to walk in the will of the Lord or the lack of that. So let me give you another secret. Pre-made decisions based on God's truth and the truth sets you free causes you to respond in the will of God, have a spirit-filled will. Lack of those pre-made decisions causes you to react according to the emotions you feel in that moment. So let me show you how to form this character today. Let me give you this so that you no longer will allow the emotions to rule you. You will have the Garden of Gethsemane experience. You now can have a garden experience that will carry you to God's perfect will the rest of your days. The world wants you to react, and in the kingdom, you are to respond according to God's predestined plan. We saw Christina fighting back the tears. You saw Terry fighting back the tears. I've wept with Christina and Rudy, had lunch with Rudy, talking, you know, to this buff police officer. And, uh, you know, and, and the emotions that were there, because let me tell you, when you have a spirit-filled will, you love people. And you don't feel rejected. They, you are excited because they've made a decision to follow the will of the Lord to honor her parents. The world, again, wants you to react, and in the kingdom, you are to respond according to God's predestined plan. So let me explain what I just said a little bit deeper. A reaction is based upon an emotion. That's real life in this world. A reaction is based upon an emotion. God's plan is that our will, it will choose what our mind will think and how our emotions will feel. So no longer you'll say, well, this is how I feel. You will say, I know what God is saying to me, so this is how I will respond to how I feel. You get that? Follow that. Because your whole life has been fix your emotions. In church, most people in church said, fix your emotions. God wants to heal your emotions. No, God wants your emotions to be free and to have fun. But the reality is if it's not spirit-willed or the will of the Father walking in the truth, then your emotions of what's taking place will take over, and that's when we get in a mess. And I'm not a doctor either of psychology or psychiatry. I'm just a pastor. But the truth will set you free. You can have this character if there is an obedience to God's predetermined plan, having that garden experience. Now, let me say something else about character, and I wrote this down because I think it's so pertinent what I believe the Holy Spirit gave me, and, and I want you to hear it. Character is not seeing how 
close you can get to sin, having your toes dangle over the cliff, character is a pre-made decision to get as far away from sin as possible. You know what, church family? I've been reading the Bible. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Your pastor's been reading the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says this. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Wow. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. See, you know what's really fun? Is I can go golfing and laugh and joke around and cut up and everything with spiritual people. And, and we can laugh and joke and make fun of each other and laugh. I can go work out in the club and people who aren't even Christians and joke around with them. And once in a while, they're talking and the cuss word comes out and I don't go, <gasps> I have fun. But see, they begin to marvel at my testimony. They, get to, they begin to marvel at my character because I'm not swayed by the stuff in the world. They're chirping about all kinds of stuff going on and complaining, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know what? Well, I know you feel that way, but this is where I, where I make my stance. And they marvel. And, you know, sometimes they come over and try to get me to be swayed. And I know that, and I just listen to them, and I love them anyways, because you know what? My goal is they get born again. Amen. Amen. So that scripture we just read, it doesn't say fight it. It doesn't say go into the den and resist. What's it say? Flee. Make a predetermined decision not to get yourself into the place. Let me tell you, um, and I know a lot of pastors have done this. Uh, Wayne Cordero is the one that gave me the idea. Um, is that if I travel alone, I don't like traveling alone. I, I like my wife with me. And I'm in a hotel. I will go to the front desk and tell them to turn off the pornography that's on the TV in the hotel room. And if they won't do that, I won't stay at the hotel. Why is that? Because I have a problem with pornography? No, I don't. But I pre-decide I pre not to have that around me. Amen. Because it's something that'll grab a hold of you. I don't care how spiritual you are. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are. You know, a lot of people, you see people on TV that fall and different things. And you see, I told you he was on TV, just take money. He wasn't really spiritual. Yeah, they were. They fell. They didn't have a garden experience. And they fell. They're just like you. They have emotions. And if they allow their emotions to control them, they will fall into sin. So the Bible says, flee. 
So if you will adopt this principle, you will see your character increase with every pre-made decision. And you know what? People will begin to marvel at you. So let me give you a disclaimer as I tell you how to make these decisions. I'm going to give you seven points today in a little bit, but here's a disclaimer. Every pre-made decision you make will involve something called purposeful neglect. Every pre-made decision you make will involve something called purposeful neglect. Because there's always something you feel like you need to do or want to do. What is purposeful neglect? It is simply the neglecting of something that is good for something that is best. Okay, I'll say that again. I see a lot of your eyeballs like, okay. It is simply the neglecting of something that is good for something that is best. What is best? God's will. Or the neglecting of something dangerous for something that is safe. So you have to neglect something in every pre-made decision. John Maxwell, in in his book, talked about uh, this young lady uh, who was, uh, I think, if I remember right, I, I think she was uh, about 12 years old. It's a young vi- violinist who was progressing amazingly uh, fast in 12 months. She started playing the violin in 12 months. She just surpassed everybody that was playing. Her teacher called her aside and asked her, what is the secret of these last 12 months of your progress? And she answered, purposeful neglect. And so she explained, I used to go home, eat a little dinner, do a little homework, clean my room, and practice my violin. This sounds like a really great young lady, huh? But now I go home, and as soon as I go home, I practice my violin, then I do everything else. She chose to temporarily, or chose temporarily those things that were good to that which was best. Now, some of pre-made decisions that I make is when my kids were young that I would neglect the kids to focus on my wife. (gasps) You neglected your kids? They should have called the cops on you. Don't go to extreme on me, okay? Especially online. Don't go to extreme on me. You see, in order for that to be, to happen, that created a covering for my children of my wife and I or mom and dad. That there was agreement and love there. All right? Or neglect the day and focus on God. Sabbath. Neglect all the busyness of life. We got to, got to, got to, got to. Kids, baseball, football, you know, school, dance, whatever it is. And no, we're going to spend time. We're going to focus on the Lord. Because let me tell you, baseball, football, that's all good, isn't it? I grew up doing that. I played sports all the time. My kids played sports. Neglect the schedule 
and focus on health. See, I make sure that I work out at least three times a month. Not to get a beach body. That's far gone from there. But to take care of the temple that the Holy Spirit resides in. Ooh, you got quiet. Or neglect the world and focus on the body of Christ. There are seasons the world, I just want to tell you, there are seasons the world will say, come to me, come to me, busy, busy. You're, you're involved in all kinds of stuff. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And all of a sudden you find out that you haven't been in church for a month. You haven't been in church for two months. Yeah, but I can watch it on, on the screen. I know there are some situations people are still watching on screen. Praise the Lord that you're with us and all, all those that are around the world. But I want you to understand is that God says, don't forsake the assembling together of the believer. That is, that is not only good, that's best for us to be together. Or neglect the, neglect the dues of life, and here it is again, rest. It's called the Sabbath. Now quickly, I'm going to give you seven points in the how. Remember, I'm the type of pastor, I'll tell you what it is but I'll also tell you how. So I'm going to give you seven points. Don't be afraid because you're thinking Super Bowl, you know. <laughs> the wings are in the oven, you know. I'm going to do it quickly. Matter of fact, I heard uh, another pastor say this. He says, you know what you need to be really afraid of on Sunday morning? is a sermon with no point. Amen? How to make a pre-made decision. First, here's the first, pray. Proverbs 16, 13 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. The Bible says, if I pray a prayer of committing my decisions, my thoughts will be established. This means God will help you think the way you're supposed to think. When you commit to him, he will, he will say, Think these thoughts. How many of you ever had something that says, oh, it just dawned on me what I need to do? That wasn't some dawn doing that. That wasn't Mother Nature. It was Father God through the Holy Spirit giving you an idea. God is an endless supply of great thoughts for you related to your decision if you will pray and commit them to him. Every morning, God, what do you want me to think and to do? The second, weigh the fruit. Weigh the fruit. Matthew 12, 33 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. So what's that saying here today? If you make the decision what will the reward be? It's important that you weigh out the fruit so you can choose the good from the best. Because how many of you know there are some of you, you do a day about a thousand good things, but there's a best 
that you must make sure you do. And when you do the best, you think condemnation, oh, I just didn't do that. I said I would be here and I said I would be there and I can only be one place at one time. You choose the best in your life, in your scheduling, because why? You're not run by your emotion. You're run by a pre-made decision of who you are. So always choose the one that bear the most fruit. Now, when my kids were young, spending time with the kids bore good fruit. I loved it. I had a blast with my kids. But spending time with Terry bore more fruit being with her and then with the kids. And today, you know, the kids are grown up, you know that, grandkids now, but the reality today is I made a decision about three months ago. I saw our schedule. I saw what we were doing. I had to choose some things of what was the best to do because there was so much to do. And then I looked at it and I looked at over in the living room at my wife and I went upstairs and I got on the calendar and I said, okay, here's a four-day slot, okay? I choose on this day, it's her and I and no more. Amen. And we have to get, you know, because I'll tell you why, because the enemy will deceive you and say, you're doing a thousand things for God. You need to do a thousand and one now. You lazy person, you. That's what the devil will say to you. And I'm telling you, you can do the best things. Attending church, you can do the sports, you can do the different things, but you have to do it in the will of the Lord. Have your will as Jesus stood there and didn't answer to all the accusations and he said, he didn't say anything. He just says, I know what I'm to do. And so it doesn't sway you. How many of you have decided we're going to do this tomorrow and all Hades broke loose and you didn't do it? Where do you think that comes from most of the time? It's not just coincidence. You are a spiritual being important in the kingdom of God. You are so important to God that the, animal, the enemy and situations are trying to get you deceived so that you won't do the best in God's will for your life. Wow. Okay. Hurry up, Pastor. Hurry up. So if you weigh the fruit... And know the reward, it will keep you strong when it's tested. Jesus did this, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That was God the Father's plan. You're going to suffer pain. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to cast this off. God, remember the prayer? Is there another way? Is there another way for us to get this done? No, he had to shed his blood for you and me. 
He went through the suffering and despising the shame, even though he despised it, his emotions were there. It didn't rule him. The joy set before Jesus was you and me. It was you and me. That's why he did it. You were the best. It was good that he did everything else that he did, but what the best was, he endured the cross because, because of that, you and I became related with him. He said, I will have a people. I will have a bride bought by my blood, bearing my name, and have a family if I stick to this plan and this decision. So then they, they asked him, what do you think? He didn't answer a bit. I already know in my heart, my spirit, I'm doing the will of the Father. Here's the third. You must count the cost. Luke 14, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, the man began to build and was not able to finish. What I got from this scripture years ago was finish well. My latter years will be my best years because I've learned to choose the best. What will it cost you when you neglect what you can't have? If you count the cost in advance, when the cost arrives, it won't move you. It won't move you. You weigh the fruit against the cost, and the fruit is worth it. Spending time with my wife is worth it. Amen. Spending time with my children and, and the season of doing that is worth it. Spending time with my grandchildren is worth it. But I weigh the cost of everything and hear the voice of God and do the will of the Father in all things. And it turns into fun. Here's the fourth. Get wise counsel. Now, this is something I'm going to just be real quick with. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. The key word here is the wise. The Bible says wisdom is justified by her children. Let me just say it this way. I'll say a few, few ways. Don't ask a guy for counsel when his finances are falling apart regarding your finances. A gentleman in the church wrote a whole summary. I'm just going to give you this. Happened many years ago here. Whole summary about tithing is not for today. He made five appointments with me to sit down and talk to me. And after the fifth one, as I discussed, he argued, but I discussed doctrinal issues with him, he called me a false teacher. In his life, he went from job to job, he was divorced because of wrong decisions in his finances. He was smart, but he wasn't wise. But deceived and would not receive from me because why? I taught tithing is for today. And after the fifth session, and he accused me of that, walked out, I shredded his paper. I fleed lust. Control. 
And the reality that we have to get to a place in our life, we have to make a pre-made decision that what the Word of God says we believe no matter what people say, no matter how smart they are. If you need counsel for your kids, don't get counsel from someone with kids that are out of order. So here's a secret. If you ever ask for counsel, after you ask, okay, you're asking someone for counsel, after you ask, close your mouth and listen. Is that too hard? No, nah, it's not. I was born in Detroit, so we're, we're pretty hard anyways. That helps the listening process. The Bible says a multitude of counsel, many people. I would say to you, according to the Word of God, because it talks also about you have few close friends, three to five, and so I believe three to five people that will counsel. The secret is, when you hear the same thing from two or three people, you need to start saying amen, so be it. The fruit of counsel also is you have relationships that bring honor. I, 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 I get it sometimes, not all the time, because church people really are wonderful. But the point is, is they want to come in the council, and if they don't hear what they want to hear, then they go to somebody else. Right? And they go to somebody else. So I'm just saying, this is the way the enemy will come because we're basing everything in our life on our emotions. God gave you emotions, and they're good. Don't fix your emotions. But get to a place where when there's counsel, then you make a pre-made decision that must be God because there's proof in the Word of God on it. So you make that decision even though you feel awful right now, you still do it. Your life is not based upon your emotional skill. It's based upon the will of the Father. You have a will that has pre-made decisions to honor God. And watch this, honor one another. I'll embarrass some, I'll just do it once because I need to be quick. Daniel Torres, he's sitting here. A man of faith, a man that would give his shirt off his back for anybody, a man that has emotions, a man that at times can get angry. I don't know that. I've never seen him angry. Why I know that? Because we all get angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. A man of integrity. I love this man. I would take a bullet for this man. I honor him. But see, because I know him. And when we begin to understand in church of coming together and honoring one another and getting to know one another, then we begin to honor each other and there's such a blessing. Richard Acevedo, I, I text him all the time. This man, I watch him. We got so many talented people up here. Richard's up there. He's so humble. I, I'll come up here and I'll say, that was good. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I made a mistake. I know you're trying to be perfect, okay? But I honor him. I just love how he serves his wife. It's an example to me. 
in, in Israel, they were with us. And you know, all of us in Israel, the greatest group, we had a lot of fun. But yay. But Richard, he was always in the back, making sure everybody's okay. If anybody needed anything, he'd run, make it happen. I'd just say one word out of 10 words. After the first word, I'll do it. You know? And, and then his wife is taking pictures, and, and Gina's taking pictures, and, and, and just all these different things. I just honor these people. I still, when I see them, I go, man, I love those people. It's honor. And when you make a pre-made decision, you honor people, watch this, in spite of themselves or in spite of yourself. Amen? All right, let's go on. Number five, make the decision pre-made. I'll say it a different way. Make the decision. I know this is deep, but make it. Or paint or get off the ladder. Or march or get out of the parade. You have to have a time where you nailed the decision down. Go for it. Do not deviate. Here's the next one. Memorize the applicable scriptures related to your decision. John 12, 24, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I have died to self. There are selfish people in the world, but I, they don't rule me or move me because I've died to myself. How do you hurt a dead person? Think about it. Person laying there, and you can cuss them out, ridicule them, tell them your hair's ugly, your, your face is ugly, whatever. They don't move a bit. I've died to self. I'm selfless. Jesus said it is written during the temptation in the wilderness. Jesus made a pre-made decision to worship Father God, but he needed to speak the memorized word in the testing. So when you are selfless and someone comes against you, it's not against you, against the tr it's against the truth that is in your heart, that's in your will, that you are living out. Wow. Are we getting anything here? I mean, watching on TV, are you, are you getting, I mean, really, the world has lied to us and has said, this is how it is. And I'm telling you that there are many believers out there, many leaders that are watching now of churches. I want you to know you may have been deceived. Look at the way you're teaching the word of God to your people. Look at verse 25. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Hallelujah. 
Amen. It didn't say, and everything will be perfect in your life. I believe Jesus also quoted these verses, by the way, he did, when he was going towards the cross. It was right there. And he began to repeat these scriptures. Why did he do that? Because he's like you and me. He needed to. So the question, what is your joy? What is your joy? You're Jesus' joy, but what is your joy? Here's the last. I don't know if I'm going to say this. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Listen closely. I'm playing with words now. Be close-minded, not closed-minded. James 1, verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded means you're two-headed. Two-headedness is a freak. Close-minded, once you have made the pre-made decision in God's will, you will not consider a different opinion. When, when testing comes, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You made a decision, pre-made decision, all Hades breaks loose. God, did I miss you? No. It's a testing of the decision you made. Be close. All right? Now understand why I'm saying be close. Be close to what the Word of God said. Be close to it. Seek it. Keep reading it. Keep understanding it. Keep studying it. And then once in a while, like I have found in 43 years of ministry, I used to teach a certain type of thing, and then I got more revelation of it. I wasn't closed my, nope, nope, when I was 20, that's what I believed, that's why I'm going to stay. I aren't there. I'm not changing. No. No, I'm close-minded. 99.9% of the things that I knew when I was 22, 23, 24, I was right on. But I learned more because I wasn't closed-minded. I was close-minded. Oh, church family, let's get that. All right, let's, let's move on. When you're tested... God, I already made this decision. I'm doing this no matter what. When trauma and tribulation hits, Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know where your belief is? In him. And I learned a long time ago, if I'm really just off just a little bit, he loves me enough to get me there. You know, God's not up there and say, oh, oh, Gary. You idiot, you blew it. And that's the way a lot of people think God is, and they're Christians. You know, like you with your little ones, they try to do something, and they're kind of getting a little off on it. What do you do? You walk up to them and, no, no, let's do it this way. Okay, Dad. You know, and that's the way we are with the Father. That's the way he is with us. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. He said, it's so important that I go away for when I do, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. He will show you the truth. Wow. The Bible says we don't receive anything if we're double-headed. 
So your character is that your faith is set and you won't vary. Be close-minded and open-hearted. The world wants us to be so open-minded, our brains fall out, though. See, I believe in the infallibility of the Scriptures. I believe the Spirit of God is in me and has baptized me in power. I believe I love my wife as Jesus loved the church. I believe if people believe in Christ, their sin will be washed away. And I am stubborn on these things. I will not vary in these things. I will walk in that till the day that I take my last breath. So if you do these things, your character will grow in 2022. And in 2022, as it's been prophesied, we will have some of the greatest breakthroughs we've ever experienced. Amen? Let's all stand.